This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hello, welcome to the B-Sides. Hello. Hi. Um, welcome. We are the podcast for progressives who love pop. Like, you know, if you love moving your butt to TikTok, but like also feel strongly that we need to interrogate the influence of Dr. Luke on Kesha's music career and where she is now, then the B-Sides is for you. Welcome. Um, I'm Hannah Zoe. I'm Mimi. I'm Becky. And we are, drumroll please, a Bellow Collective Top 100 Podcast of 2019. Woo! Woo! You didn't leave space for the drum roll, but that's fine. Yeah, I was ready. <laughs> the news is too I, good to wait oh, on. I'm just like pop musicians of today. I don't appreciate a good drum line or whatever. <laughs> sure. Um, we're very proud of ourselves. Um, thank you to Lauren of Tink Media, who submitted us and was one of the curators of the Bellow Top 100 podcasts. Um, and they're pretty amazing podcasts. So I feel like we're, I mean, like Still Processing is on there, which is one of my favorites. New Yorker Radio Hour. I mean, this is like some real stuff. And then our little pop music appreciation pod is there too. And that's because of you all. Um, so we are really, really appreciative. Um, and thank we're, you for the love. We're real stuff. We're real stuff. We are real stuff. Yes. Thank you, everyone, for listening to us talk all this yes. time. For, I'll echo that. For over a dozen episodes. Appreciate it. How many of those did we talk about hit clips in? <laughs> At least a quarter of them. At least. We were really on a hit clips uh, vibe for a long time. Bender. <laughs> Bender. <laughs> Stay tuned for our season finale where we will just do our favorite hit clips. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it's going to be, right? Um, actually, speaking of season finale, um, so this is the second to last episode of season one. Oh, my God. Wow. Happy and sad at the same time, like Casey would say, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You've got me smiling with tears in my eyes. Because it's almost our season finale, it means that we want to do some um, housekeeping right now before we get into today's episode, which is all about Kesha, um, which is that we really want you to subscribe if you haven't already. We welcome you to. Um, the big reason is because it's our season finale next week. Um, I'm sorry, in two weeks from now. I, I don't know my own schedule, um, which means that when we come back, we want to make sure that um, we are in your ear and you don't get to miss anything. Um, so we also want to make sure that, you know, all the ways to contact us when we're not coming into your ears every other Wednesday, um, to keep the momentum going while we're on a break. Um, so definitely you should join our Facebook community, which is, um, bit.ly slash B sides FB group. Don't you want to join? You do. Um, and follow us on Instagram at listen to the B sides because we just have a lot of fun on the internet. And if we're not in your ears, then we're definitely on the internet. Um, so I don't know if you guys are excited about the, the in-between break time. We will never log off. We will never <laughs> surrender. No boundaries exist for me. Yeah. We don't know about that. <laughs> we, we don't know about that. <sighs> um, anyway, I'm proud of us for having a great season one. Um, this was an experiment and I would say it's a rousing success. So go us. Thumbs up all around. And what are knows? you all excited about for season two? Well, I know we're talking about Kesha today, so not necessarily season two, but I am very looking, very much looking forward to Kesha's 2020 album. Yes. <laughs> What's another exciting thing that is happening in the B-Sides world? Oh. Well, Mimi, there's two other exciting things I want to share that I almost forgot oh. about, but thank you. And Becky said we should start. I literally was like, what's the second thing we're supposed to talk about? When we were chatting before we pressed record, Becky said, let's record so we don't forget. And then we did forget. Um, thanks, well, Mimi. some of us did. Some yeah, of us. Hannah and I both. doesn't. Mimi's our elephant. I've been watching so many episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Every time I forget something, I'm like, I have a brain tumor. Like, this is what happens to all of them. And I'm like, I'm dizzy. I probably have a benign brain tumor. The WebMD of television. Yeah. 
No, I like honestly, I'm like it's whatever. It's a sidetrack. I've watched 15 se- straight seasons since April. What? So. <laughs> it's embarrassing. It's like no, a lot I'm of hours. Yeah, thank you. It's a feat. Ethan says it's, it's taken me too long to get up to date. Mm-hmm. So right where's the hustle becky i know go on so sorry oh right okay so we have two exciting things and they're really big deals so um please be excited with us the first is that the b-sides 2019 zine is here yay Woo! <laughs> um if the podcast world was a visual medium i would love to show you the beautiful cover which has um, an artistic rendering of ariana grande's face done in the style of andy warhol it's just full of like the coolest stuff um, only $6, which honestly, you're welcome. But that's because the point of zines is to like democratize information, share love of art and words. So we don't make a profit on this. We want to make sure to spread it far and wide. So if you go to our Instagram um, at Listen to the B-Sides, you'll be able to buy a zine through there. Um, and many of you all listeners who are listening right now contributed. And if that's you, we just want to say thank you. We love you. Your stuff is super cool. Um, we can say that super for cool. across the board. Super cool. Super cool. Um, And then the next announcement that I'm really excited about is that the B-Sides newsletter is back. It's back as of two days ago. Yay. Side note, two days ago, like when the thing comes out. Oh, Oh my God, I just posted Hannah. I didn't get it. Like, am I, is it going to spam? I realized I hadn't like written that down anywhere. So I was like, gonna scare you. Straight to the trash. Yeah, it was like, did I like automatically delete? I literally was like, the fuck? I was gonna delete that, but maybe I'm not going to just to like really capture the panic. I just had it, literally, my stomach just dropped. (laughs) No. Um, If you're listening the day that this comes out, which is December 18th, then the B-sides will have come to your inbox two days ago, um, Monday, December 16th. Um, So the B-sides started as a newsletter, but then we just wanted to talk a lot. So we made a podcast, um, but it originally was a newsletter. Um, So that's just from yours truly, um, as opposed to the podcast, which is collective with the three of us. Um, But I know that Becky and Mimi will be submitting good stuff throughout the newsletter time can you give us a sneak peek well not really a sneak peek because we've already seen it so never mind tell us what it's about i'll yeah i'll tell us i'll tell you what the most recent one was about um so the b-sides comes out the newsletter comes out every three weeks so the one that just came out this week um was about you will not be surprised to hear 2019 highlights um but Mm. as opposed to other lists that you might have been um consuming this month um it kind of is just like kind of a state of pop like where is pop at the end of this decade um how much does it matter anymore in culture um what does it sound like what's it going to sound like um so it's going to be similar themes to the season finale of this podcast that's coming up but just kind of takes a more critical uh lens of what worked about pop this year and honestly what didn't i don't think this was a great year for music which is like not great for us because we started a music podcast, but it's not been the most like dynamic year for pop. So I go into why in the newsletter. Don't tell Taylor. Don't tell Taylor. That's go that forward. Was bright points. There's there's plenty of bright points. There are um, just overall not as fun as I wanted it to be, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so the newsletter comes out every um, three weeks. On the off weeks, we have um, a side dish, which is what I call the ten song playlists that are just about whatever I want. It's just like one um weird thing i pick like guitar appreciation or songs that um sound happy but are actually really sad or whatever um and then on the and then the next round is um a guest spot so every monday you get either a b-sides newsletter or a side dish or a guest spot and then the whole thing starts over again and it's the best email you get in your inbox so you're welcome world it's true can confirm <laughs> Same First yeah. Thanks, folks. Didn't send it to my trash. Good. Although, if you don't get it on Monday the 16th, do let me know. We'll, we'll make sure that we figure that check out. Check the trash. Check the check trash. The truck, yeah. Always check the trash. And on that note, um, today we are going to talk about Kesha um, when we get into the B-sides. But first, let's go to the top headlines of the week and start with the A-sides. Right. So now we are in the A sides, the top headlines from the last week or the, you know, last month, whenever we're feeling like we want to talk about this um, and our quick takes. So why don't we start with um, new music? Um, Niall, we had a big, let's say we had a big One Direction week recently, right? We had Niall from One Direction, Liam and Harry 
all release new music. Should we say many directions? Yes, we must if we want to be accurate. It wasn't one direction from them. It was many. No. It's true. Many different sounds, right? Forks in the road. Yeah. Forks in the road. I'm proud of them. Whatever. They're not hairy. None of them are hairy. They're not going to do as well. I do. I liked Niall's song, Put a Little Love on Me. Sure. Yeah, I did like that. I like that. I think he's finding his voice. I'm really proud of him. You know, I was just going to say, though, but Harry's song and music video were both incredible, and I'm just really proud of him. And wow. I'm proud of me for liking him for so long. This is about me, ultimately. He's but so hot. Amazing. And speaking of music videos with, like, a narrative arc, mm-hmm. hello. It was bizarre, but it was great. See episode three of this podcast. Yes. He's so hot. It was amazing. Should we talk about his antichrist? <laughs> yes. Let's okay, talk, about- talk about Liam. Yes. The Harry Styles antichrist, as he calls himself, Liam Payne. He literally called himself that not once but twice in an interview. Thank you. Yeah. He showed us. It's bizarre. Is he I okay? Think what he meant is like the antithesis. Yeah. Or like it. the opposite. <laughs> yeah. It is. Well, he was saying like my music style was so different, you know, like. <sighs> Yeah, I am the Antichrist. <laughs> it's way less intense and more accurate to just be like, we are different. Or like, I feel like kind of the opposite. I feel at odds with him. Not like I am the Antichrist of him. <laughs> oh boy. Unbelievable. Yeah. I, I think that the not to pick, this is very not us because we're a very positive group, but of of all the One Direction uh, people, he is probably the loser of the of the most recent round of music, especially. He came out with an entire album. Um, so yay, good for him. But it's his first album. It's kind of, it's funny, he's calling it his debut album, and it's true. The same way like Chance the Rapper had been making music for years, and then suddenly it was his debut album. Mm-hmm. Um, but he filled it with mostly the, so- the singles that he's been putting out over the last two years. Strip That Down is really really old by this point yeah um, and that was on the album so I had I and something I have I have said and I will continue to say is that those it was interesting because those singles had nothing to do with each other even the last few years and I thought they were really disjointed I think he's having a hard time distilling his sound exactly in the antichrist the opposite of um of Harry who was like really <laughs> living into his sound but so is Niall and so is like all of them really have a sound he's having a really hard time so it's just wild because I've been thinking that he hasn't been able to be clear about his sound for a long time and then he takes all of these disjointed songs and puts them on an album and adds like a few more songs and one of them is really offensive it's like come on Liam yes I did did, like strip that down though like when it came out a couple years ago that's a that's a that's a a song yeah 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 Yeah, I think (laughs) I think his voice to me has always been and it's something that we talked about in episode 15 about Broadway stars although he's not a Broadway star his voice is just the most kind of like normcore and like Uh he's talented but it just doesn't have sort of like a specific image that you would associate with it or a specific sort of track the way that I think all of the other ones do all of the other ones have very distinct voices totally yeah all the directions except Liam I don't know what Liam's direction is. Down. I think that, down. <laughs> Sorry, Liam. I mean, I think that he, I mean, when you think about like his X Factor audition, which I do on a regular basis. Well, you can cry me a river. Cry me a river. I cried a river over you. He could have been the next Michael Bublé, but he has higher aspirations than that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, oh, Becky, I thought you were crying about Liam. <laughs> no, I thought I had to sneeze. I oh, I'm so, so emotional. Um, <laughs> and we have to say that he, uh, the hashtag that was trending about him on his debut album release day was the Liam is over party, which was very sad, but it's because yeah. it's not sad because he, he released one of his only new songs on this album um, was just total song, just totally about the fetishization of bisexual women and how bisexual women essentially 
exist only for straight men's pleasure. Um, it's all of the things that were like tired tropes 20 years ago and remain so now. And it's just like, wow, did no one, did no one say, what if this wasn't on your album? Like, what if you just didn't record this? How did they get through so many people? Right. People are, so many people are, are dumb and clueless. And that's why he's the opposite of Harry because yeah. Harry is exploring yes. gender in the opposite way. The non-antichrist way, really, like, um, you know, fetishizing and delineating between, you know, genders, if that's all that counts. Harry's doing the exact opposite and, um, you know, doing some really interesting things with it in his music and fashion and image and politics. So I don't know. I, you know, I hope Liam gets it together, but it's not it's not going great. Sorry, Liam. We do not like this that much. <laughs> At all. At all. Um, although I will say, I do love the song Polaroid that he released a bit ago um, and it's on this album. I love that song. I gotta listen to it. It's really fun. I mean, it's a very like EDM-y. It's they're all all these songs are different because he has no vision. But <laughs> yeah, could have been it's anybody. Just a variety. So you're like in the mood for one, you know? Like it's yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, should we talk about the next thing? Yes. Um, our, the next piece of news in the A sides is that Beyonce gave an interview, which by itself is a news story. She never does this. But of course, the other pieces that are just exciting is how, um, how juicy this, um, this interview was. Yeah, the juiciest part of this is her go-to karaoke songs. Yeah. But I'm pulling it up to <laughs> make sure. Because one of them is Hotel California, correct? Mm-hmm. Which oh, is- yeah. The other was the Pina Colada, the Colada song. song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like two songs I wouldn't expect for Beyonce's... Um, go-to karaoke songs i almost was like did someone else write this i'm ready for her spotify singles like acoustic cover to drop (laughs) oh my god i love it i also love that she uses the emoji to like everyone like to all her fans it's so cute yeah you know so what was interesting is that you know we we say that she gave an interview but we actually should give a caveat it's not a full interview because she, she does not do interviews. She just doesn't. So what this was, was a submitted um, submissions of questions from fans that Elle magazine curated. And she answered ostensibly on a computer because there's a bunch of emojis, which makes me it's think definitely. that she was typing. She was oh, not. Well, it, the way that it reads, it reads like she wrote it out. It doesn't read like she was yeah. talking. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that she, I, I don't think that she gives interviewers an opportunity to be face to face with her, much less write about that. She just doesn't. And that's her prerogative. It's nuts, but it's, pro, it's her prerogative. Yeah. There's yeah. some really amazing stuff about, um, I mean, it just is so clear how, how committed she is to um, maintaining a work-life balance, which is just funny to me because she is often like hailed as the person who's figured this all out. You know, like the, you have the same, you have the same amount of hours in a day as Beyonce or whatever we talk about. Mm-hmm. about our culture about how good she is at everything and it was a good reminder that she's a person like all of us just with a lot of nannies Absolutely. she loves target <laughs> she goes to target she loves she loves target she loves target i love that she was i don't know i i thought that she was pretty funny um mm-hmm. but also you know sounded very grounded and like she's yeah. been through a lot and was talking about the you know, it's, it's how you relate to your hardships and how mm-hmm. you allow them to help you evolve. Mm-hmm. That really counts. And, you know, she, like, she was saying things like, I don't know, they were like, what's your least favorite word? And she was like, no. And then they were like, what's your favorite word? And she was like, why? I know. I don't know. Um, but, but it also sounds like, you know, to me, a lot of what she was saying about not caring about accolades as much anymore. Um, you know, and, and and sort of taken in tandem with the work that she's put out in the last few years, like makes me think that she, she knows that she is putting out work that puts her on the right side of history in a time when a lot of people are not. And she is like, 
sort of basking in how that is going to evolve and her legacy going forward. And that was pretty amazing because it's true, I think. I think so too. Yeah. So to continue the conversation about music superstars and legacy, let's dive into um, uh, the rise and rise of Kesha. Let's go. All right, and now we're in the B-sides. Yay. What, what a good A-sides that was. It was so great. <laughs> Can't wait for more. Um, okay, so today we are here to talk about Kesha. K, dollar sign, ha, no longer. K-E, um, dollar sign. K, uh, all right, I was like, K. Look, vowels are important, and so are characters. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, all symbols matter including, you know, uh, political symbols and symbols of movements and, you know, which Kesha is both of. She is. Um, So I thought what I would do um, for this B-Sides is just go through some of the things that you may or may not know about Kesha because her um, history since becoming a recording artist is really intense and really interesting. And then we'll kind of talk about like what that says about the pop music industry and what's, um, what's in store for Kesha, who's coming out with an album. If you're listening to this episode, when it drops in a month, less than a month. Right. So that's really exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, so, okay. Something that's interesting that I was thinking about when I was making this, um, episode today is that I wrote the second B-Sides newsletter ever about Kesha, which I kind of forgot about, but that was in February of 2017. Which is just interesting. Like, yeah, this issue, and it was about the same thing we're going to talk about today because there's been updates since then. Of course, she's had a whole new era, but um, I remember feeling like really shocked by that. And it was one of the first topics I ever wanted to talk about as like the intersection of pop music and politics. So I don't know. I thought it was interesting. So I thought maybe, um, could we do a quick go around about like our feelings about this artist, how much we love her, what we think about her? I love Kesha. Um, I've loved her since like TikTok, which was I think in like twenty, I must say like twenty oh twenty ten. I think it was two thousand nine. Two thousand nine. Yeah, I actually this episode. I actually though I have remembrance being when we were like seniors in high school. Yes. Don't stop and one of my actual distinct memories of Kelja is my friend Molly drove all the way when we were in college to go see her perform at SUNY Geneseo. Oh my we goodness. Were freshmen. Yeah. <laughs> deep cut. And I was like, deep cut SUNY that like, got cash. I mean, does that mean she couldn't have been like that famous Whoa, in 2010? Right. But, um, and I, TikTok is a bop, no matter how you feel about it, it's a bop. And I think she surprised people with actually how strong her vocals truly are when she put out praying. I yeah. thought people really underestimated her. Like yeah. She was just like this drunk girl that came out with TikTok, kind of how people feel about Carly Rae Jepsen. And then she put out other things and they were like, oh, like she's actually pretty good and pretty talented. And Kesha's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> and that's blatantly clear in all of her other new music videos that have come out, which we'll talk about later. So, yeah. I love that. She, she is such a good weirdo. She's like the more is more thing. And I love her. I always have, um, Although I don't think I felt this like tenderly towards her until the last few years, but I do remember that Right Round was my favorite song of senior year. And then I remember being like, the TikTok girl is the flow rider girl. Like, cause that was, the, I remember like, that was my fun fact of the day. Um, I don't know. I, so I always thought she was great. And I always, I loved, she came up with tons of singles, like one after another at that time. And I loved them, but I kind of thought she was, um, I didn't think there was much there in terms of like substance. And I've been happy to learn that there, there is. Right Round was also my favorite song oh. of summer 09, which was the summer after my senior year Amazing. of high school. 
and I saw Flo Rida at this Ugh. Q102 concert. And for those who don't know, Q102 is like a varsity level <laughs> top 40 radio station in the great city of Philadelphia and the Philadelphia area. Um, and there was a concert with like nine different artists and Kesha was nowhere to be found, but she was there vocally. In, vocally. And it's actually the only time I've been to a concert where someone performed the song twice. He did the song twice. What? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Florida but I was like, oh, this makes sense. Florida is a gift to this world. He is. Yeah. There's, there's no criticism here. <laughs> I am not taking yes. a critical eye towards this moment. Um, but then also I remember Kesha being a big part of my college soundtrack. TikTok, obviously, in early 2010, your love is my drug, we are who we are, etc. Um, and my sense of her was always rather reductive, I think. Um, but mm. I I knew that she she spoke to me in the sense that like I was going to a lot of parties and <laughs> she was going to a lot of parties, but also there was this like kind of like false dichotomy idea that she was somehow a paradox of like she did that but then her SAT scores were also great yeah yeah. and I was like oh yeah like this is what I relate to like it's all it's all like super superficial um but you know I I loved her on that superficial level I love that um okay I so to dive into um what you know our journeys with Kesha that we just kind of shared and and what we've learned we do have to give a content warning at, at um at this moment just because if we want to dive into what um makes Kesha so special and um resilient then to do that we're going to talk a little bit about some of the trauma that she's been through so if you want to take a pause in the rest of this episode because this uh content might be a little heavy for you that's okay usually we want you to listen to every minute but you can step away. Um, but why don't we start with the bright spots? So I remember something that we've now all talked about is that um, Kesha, while very popular as an artist, like didn't really have a reputation for being super sophisticated. And that fact about her having really good SAT scores was so um, uh, prevalent as a fact because it was actually really incongruous with our vision of her. It was like, oh, and she also has good SAT scores. And I, rem I, um, I discovered because I reread this this newsletter I wrote in February 2017 about her and I had literally written on a lighter note did you know that Kesha is brilliant and amazingly talented there's so much more to this queen and I had linked to her singing some songs acoustic and now I'm like yes duh who doesn't know that Kesha is amazingly talented like how did I even think that was an okay thing to write <laughs> two years ago like I can't believe that it, was, it just feels like a really different mindset to me I don't know did you did you always understand that her that she was like incredibly talented or did it like take you a while like it did for me no it took me a while too I think I really thought of her as a joke in her beginning like yeah. not a joke but you know what I mean like in her beginning hits also because the content of her songs were a joke yeah. and her voice was like kind of auto-tuned so you didn't know that it was good yeah exactly it reminds me Becky of what you've talked about in terms of like the pop music bad apples that ruined the bunch that you've mentioned in other episodes of like that that's um uh, something that I think people associate with pop music is just like auto-tune and vapid lyrics. And I didn't have a problem with that for Kesha, but I did think that's what all, all that she was. Like Timber is one of my absolute favorite songs. And, but you would never walk away from being Timber being like, wow, Kesha's vocals on that song. What a range. Yeah. That song, that song is really about the hook and the it's hook. So good. Love to see it. And you hate to see it. It's just <laughs> another flow writer everything he touches turns to gold pitbull oh you're right mr worldwide oh my god, oh my god. i take it back still stands. <laughs> yes yes yeah I'm mortified <laughs> Florida is yeah mr yeah. 305 mr. 305 <laughs> yeah um yeah i i agree i think that this newsletter is kind of i know it's you know only been almost three years but it is kind of a time capsule right um, in terms of, you know, Kesha's evolution in the public eye, the way that the public in general handles this type of thing, and also, like, us individually and collectively mm -hmm. and, and sort of, like, the dimensions we see of the artists we like and, and, you know, how much we're tracking what's sort of going on under the surface. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That checks out. Um, so Kesha in 2008 
was featured on this song that we've now mentioned a number of times, Right Round. So it came out in 2008. By 2009, TikTok came out. 2010's her first album. Uh, that's, that's Animal. That one includes, um, in addition to TikTok, um, it has Your Love Is My Drug. And then also in 2010, she releases Cannibal. And I remember being like, this is a lot. Like, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Cannibal has We Are Who We Are and Blow as some of the hit singles you may all remember. Yeah, Blow. Then you hate it or you love it? No, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so good. They're all so good. So then it's 2012 with um, her album Warrior, which includes Die Young. And this is one of the first public scandals that I remember, which is that that was the same year Sandy Hook happened. Mm -hmm. And she got like in a lot of, she got a lot of flack for having a song about like dying young when a bunch of, of young kids had been shot. Um, wow. I don't remember that at all. Like I'm yeah. not I remember Sandy Hook, but I don't remember the uh, album release. Yeah. That song was like everywhere in that moment. And it was pulled from the radio in Connecticut. I remember. Yeah. So, so Granted, I was I I was abroad, so I guess then that makes sense. Right, you were in Germany. <laughs> I was excusing myself, but yeah. And if you haven't learned more about uh, Becky's experience in Germany, I highly recommend you listen to the most previous episode of the B sides. Um, anyway, yes. So so that was the first um, inkling of then what was happening with that. We'll get into in a second, which is. Um, that she had issues with her producer named Dr. Luke because she tweeted something about that um, scandal where she was like, um, I don't have it written down. She said something like, I didn't want to sing these lyrics. I was forced to in a tweet. And then she took that tweet down. But while that was up, people were like, what? What do you mean you were forced to? And that was like how some people, maybe some people already knew that there were issues, but that's how that kind of started to break through. So that album was out in 2012. 2014, there was Timber, which we've um, established as one of the most amazing songs ever. I'll be the one you won't forget. But no albums. So no album after the 2012 album Warrior. And I remember when Tim Timber came out, I was like, oh, right, Kesha. Like I had already kind of like moved on from her. I don't know if what was going through your minds at this point. Like, did you notice or care that she wasn't producing, uh, coming out with music that much? Like, was that on your radar at all? That no, because like I was still, here? no, because I was still listening to Timber. <laughs> Every time I listen to that song, it's like the first time I listen to it. That actually may be not to give away for a little sneak peek into our upcoming mm -hmm. uh, sh podcast, but uh, that might be my song of the decade. Ooh. Wow. Just you okay, wait, you wait and see. It might be. It might be. I'm here for it. I didn't really think about it, I don't yeah. think. I when that song came out, I was like, whoa. <laughs> for reasons I've already established. Uh -huh. But um I don't think that I was really missing her, I guess. Yeah. And I think it, it was also because I was done with college by twenty fourteen. So I was like, Yeah, this makes sense. She was part of my college life. Yeah. Again, she reductive. Again, she's way more than that. She's not just a reflection of you. In society? Nope. <laughs> um, right. So, okay. So we didn't notice that much, or maybe we did, but either way, um, some people might know and some people might not know the reason why Kesha's straight shot to superstardom that seemed unstoppable in the early part of this decade was abruptly quieted. Um, so a lot has been written about this um, that I will link in the description below. There's some great articles and really helpful timelines of what we're about to go into because it gets really confusing, especially with like legal stuff. So um, why don't I give an overview of basically the fact that Kesha was exploited and trapped in really um, it's trapped legally in a really unhealthy uh, legal relationship with Dr. Luke, her producer, and her entire like record label management system. Um, so she was under contract to produce music with Sony, specifically with Dr. Luke, who many of us do know because um, he's a producer of some of like the biggest and greatest songs of uh, contemporary time. Party USA, Asta Girl, since you've been gone, all of Kelly Clarkson's uh, first album, Breakaway. Um, like tons, tons, and tons of hits. If you look up Dr. Luke's, um, oh, Becky's making a sad face <laughs> because of Kelly Clarkson's album. Yeah, it's a great album. And Kelly, I don't, I actually don't know if Kelly's made any public comments about it. Maybe she has. Maybe. She has. Okay. She she's on Team Kesha. That's good. I, I figured she's, she's a good girl. 
she's she's great um she knows what's up um yeah so he's this uh, incredibly prolific producer and then it had been clear for a number of years publicly that he was like very controlling of her with things like that tweet around die young and other things people were noticing um but in 2014 she filed a lawsuit stating that he was abusive and that he sexually assaulted her so the lawsuit was specifically for sexual assault and battery as well as sexual harassment, gender violence, emotional abuse, and violation of California business practices. Like it was chock full. Um, and really he was just, he was really controlling her and her career. And honestly, okay, so she basically wanted to get out of her exclusive six album contract so that she could make music, not with him. And even though the abuse dimension of this is not present, uh, it reminds me of the Taylor Swift situation. Just it's teaching us about like the legal struggles that artists get into. It also makes me think though, yes, they're similar and also how like young people make bad decisions. Or you just don't know. You just, right. Well, they end up making bad decisions because they don't know and they don't have a legal team to advise them in any kind of way. Right. There's no one there to protect them. And the people who say they're going to protect them are actually, they have different interests. Bad actors. It's not just the music industry. I mean, you see it. No. There's a whole thing, which we can get into at a later thing, about Dan Schneider and all the conspiracy theories with him and being, and Ariana Grande and Victorious and all of that. Oh, that's blinds. Yeah. Wait, he's the person who's like all the Nickelodeon shows? Yeah. Oh. And isn't there a rumor that he is like the father of Jamie Lynn Spears' baby? Yeah. Maybe I know that from this show, actually. I might have, I don't know. There's a lot of blinds about him. Anyway, go on. Okay, good. Um, okay, so basically she was trying to get out of her this exclusive contract um, with Dr. Luke, which, right, she signed when she when there was no one to protect her, although her mom was in the music industry and is like a really big advocate for her. So I, you know, I'm sure that they, they were operating under the best information they had at the time. Basically, it turned into this huge shit show where Dr. Luke ended up suing, ended up suing her for defamation. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that's ridiculous. And also reminds me of a Taylor Swift lawsuit because the number one Taylor Swift um, was uh, in court because she was sexually harassed. And I think a lot of people thought that she was suing the person who harassed her, but actually she was appearing in court because she was being sued for defamation for telling the radio station that he worked in that he harassed her. It's like ridiculous. Yeah fragile freaking egos um yeah there was like these like countersuits injunctions motions i tried to like learn all of this for this episode but my god i need to go to law school to understand what's going on it's really tricky but cases that are about cases get uh-huh. like super super complicated super quickly and that's what this is so yeah there yeah and there was there was a new york case and an la case that's too many coasts too many, too many cases I also think it's this is important to note. This was pre Me Too, mm-hmm. and the climate is was so different, and the media appetite was so different for this in 2016 than it is today, or than it wasn't tw- even in 2018. That I, I wonder, like, what she? I think she would have been way more supportive had she come forward later. Yeah, yeah. Or and I also think she. Uh, hopefully history will regard her as like a a really important figure in the movement that kind of um, allowed the Me Too movement to gain some traction when it did. I hope I'd like to believe. Yeah. I mean, it's super interesting too, because like she was not the most famous, like she was just famous. I I would put her as a Mm B-list pop star, which is sad cash. I'm sorry, but like I would put her as a B-list person. And so she didn't really have a lot of there wasn't the same kind of star behavior as there is with like Taylor Swift and all those lawsuits that we know a lot about, I yeah. think, too, in 2016. Uh-huh, right. And I just in- think of the way the media treated her, and it probably would have been a lot different today. I think that makes a lot of there sense. There was no, like, Believe Survivors movement. There was you know. a free Kesha movement. I, I know, just- but... Like, I think of Time's Up and all of these people who, like, have big money and big power in Hollywood mm-hmm. that were silent when this was happening to her mm-hmm. and yeah. may not be silent if it were coming out today. Yeah. I think that um, this was one of the first times at least I saw, so I don't I don't know, but my understanding is that this is one of the first times that um, 
because there was someone who was um, talking about something that was currently happening to them, not coming out with allegations from, you know, years past, who was a, a celebrity in some, in some ways. I mean, she's quite famous. And other celebrities were currently working with the abuser who, like, a, a lot of celebrities did have to choose whether or not they were going to stand with her. And I have a, um, we'll get to like the list of everybody who did when we kind of want to come out of the, of the sad part, because it's a really bright spot. And I think it was really one of the moments that uh, celebrities were deciding whether or not they wanted to come out and support. And I think, Becky, that did kind of help to add to the growing um, chorus that now would be much easier to join. Well, I think that Kesha opened doors for a lot of women and maybe and women in the music industry and you like to think there's a rippling a ripple effect that like helped other small scale women like sign better deals or know their rights yeah. and like if anything she shed light on dr luke and who do you happen to know who's still with dr are we if this is something you want to talk about later is kim pet you said kim petra right is that someone you yes. always talk about yes so kim petras is working with dr luke still which is really upsetting because yeah, I'm not familiar um, with her, really. I love her music. Me too. <laughs> yeah. So, essentially what happened next is Kesha lost. And I think it's interesting and important to say that because it's such a redemptive story in the broader sense that we forget that, like, she lost this case and all of the cases <laughs> that Mimi was referencing. So, she was not released from her record contract. Um, partially on the ground that Sony, the company, is allowing her to record without Dr. Luke's involvement. Um, But she's still on his record label. She still is in contact with him. Um, And after, so she was denied the, uh, her request to be released from his contract. And then two months later, all of her abuse claims were dismissed. Um, The judge was named um, Shirley Kornreich. Um, and she's important to note because of something that Mimi found out about. Um, but she basically dismissed Kesha's claims of sexual assault, sexual harassment, and gender violence completely. I'm going to read a little bit of what she said. It's fucking ho- horrible to read, um, but this was in part of her decision. She said, while Kesha's claim alleges that she was sexually, physically, and verbally assaulted by Dr. Luke, by Gottwald is, is his last name, for a decade, she describes only two specific instances and the most recent event described was alleged to have happened in 2008 and so falls out of the statute of limitations. And then, um, so part of what Kesha's many claims were was it was hate crimes because of the, uh, his, his treatment towards her as a woman. And this judge said um, that she dismissed Kesha's hate crime claim because the filings do not allege that he harbored animus toward women or was motivated by gender animus when he allegedly behaved violently toward Kesha. Every rape is not a gender-motivated hate crime, is what this judge said. So, like, acknowledging that he did do that to her and then being like, but it doesn't make it a hate crime. Um, And, yeah, it's just the rest of it is horrible to read. And then Mimi did some detective work about this person. (laughs) I did, because I want to make a point that maybe maybe obvious to some people, but, you know, the law is often used to reinscribe mm-hmm. power imbalances and to control the vulnerable people in various situations. And even when it's not, even when it's something used on the other side to protect those people, it's usually insufficient. Well, not usually. It's often insufficient or can just be skewed by whoever's yeah. perspective, whatever judge, whatever lawyer. And even this, though, what Hannah just read was was a little too far, was a bridge too far for me. I had to see, like, who this person was because this just wasn't adding up. The legal math wasn't adding up. Um, and it turns out that Shirley has a husband, and her husband has ties to Sony because his firm represents Sony and RCA. So that is a conflict of interest on her part, which is something that she would have had to disclose in order for her to legally take this case. And she did not do that. So, you know, she could have a lawsuit on her hands. Um, oh, my God. But, you know, that that sort of helps oh to God. square some of her argument in that it is, like, a terrible one and, like, pretty nonsensical, and she had a conflict of interest. Screw you, Judge Shirley. Mm-hmm. 
that's like so upsetting to find out and maybe maybe we'll see yet another case although we might not see another case because late in the summer of 2016 she actually dropped all kesha dropped all of her charges against dr luke not because she said they weren't true but because she said that she was exhausted and weighed down by unhappiness which is just like kesha we're all making the yeah like really big frown emoji not to add too much levity to this moment but we're all doing that like super like parabola uh-huh. downward parabola face i like how you just called a, a face an emoji when an emoji is actually a face but you said that our, our faces are making <laughs> our the emoji, emoji. <laughs> yeah remediation <gasps> one day we'll all be just emojis yes um, yeah, Kesha said, this lawsuit has been so heavy on my once free spirit, and I can only pray to one day feel that happiness again. Horrible. Um, so yeah, so she's still under contract with Dr. Luke. Her album Rainbow and this forthcoming album are on his record label, Kimosabi Records. Like, praying, that song about getting out, finding this happiness that she said she wanted to find again, is he is profiting from it. Like, it's really, really hard to to hold on to um i will say we referenced this earlier and it's a good bright spot to kind of um come out of this from several musicians really did voice their support um adele was the big the big one she was accepting a trophy at the at the an award at the brit awards and she said i'd also like to take this moment to publicly support kesha which was like beautiful i remember that um taylor swift donated two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to help her with um like financial needs around the case Lady Gaga, Demi Lovato, Ariana Grande, Lily Allen, Lord, like all these people um, were supporting Kesha through social media and Kelly Clarkson, um, who we mentioned earlier, um, Dr. Luke is like part of what, it's actually an interesting story because Dr. Luke, you know, helped Kelly's first album and like Since You've Been Gone is just a fucking masterpiece, but that entire album is too. But also because it was such a good album, that's also when Dr. Luke's career skyrocketed from that album as well. So they had this kind of like really intense uh, coming up together and Kelly Clarkson testified for Kesha in 2016 and she said he was a, uh, he was a bully and she didn't like him, um, which is like kind of amazing. So given that he's like still around and still making music and people in the industry even are, are pulling away from him, which is very rare in the music industry, should we be boycotting Dr. Luke? Like how does this affect our decisions of like how to you know think about his music i looked also that he currently works with trey songs and neo not a not a huge part of my consumption right now (laughs) although i do love neo i love both of them actually maybe yeah i think that i think i do want to avoid this music if i can yeah i think so too definitely don't go out buying the albums (laughs) i uh have to stop calling prism by Katy perry one of the most dank pop albums because I just, I just saw that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, this is something that came up when, well, there's a lot of Kim Petras on here, but this is something that came up, I think, when we were doing a Halloween episode about ghosts and um, Kim Petras's Halloween album, which I have not listened to, even though I would love to listen to it because I don't know where to stand yeah. on this. And so I'm going to stand on the, I'm not. You know, I'm I'm boycotting Dr. Luke as much as possible side, but it is it is um pretty difficult. And yeah. where do you draw the line? Because there are probably I don't know, a lot of people that I listen to who Yeah are also, you know, yeah. Produced by Dr. Luke and, and it's hard to know from the outside like what exactly their relationship. Yeah is with Kesha it's different than someone who is like supporting Dr. Luke actively like ideologically Mm -hmm. in some way so yeah yeah so looking at his discography it really does kind of take a huge plunge after 2015 and the people that he's worked with consistently are really Kesha um not Kesha um Kim Petras um and I wonder if he's kind of shifting more towards his record label I'm sure he's still doing great financially and like power wise but they like they dropped him the, like, he has his, his doesn't he have his like thing. own version now yeah yeah but like what he made is not there anymore haha he's no longer listed on the sony music website and he's no longer the ceo of uh, kimosabi records 
So he's officially right. We were saying earlier that Kimo Sabe is his record label. What we meant was that it was his record label. He's not um, the CEO of it anymore. And he's no longer officially affiliated with Sony, but he's still making music and it's unclear the like where his power lies um, in terms of the behind the scenes music management and record label pieces. Um, you know, you got to wonder how much he's still involved in Kimosabi. That's like, that was his label and was his baby. And that of course, you know, um, people like this in power, it's never just that one person, you know, it's like, it's an apparatus of, um, abuse and, um, and this kind of toxic behavior. But yeah, so he's no longer because of this, uh, issue, he's no longer at the center, um, of, of this powerful structure, which is, which is important, um, and curious. Yes. Um, it is curious. It's, it's just unclear. I don't know. Everything that we've read about it um, is just vague enough that, you know, I don't want to speculate too much, but it could be sort of a ceremonious move where he's not officially in charge, but he still has a lot of power and we don't know for sure, but it's something to yeah watch out for. Um, and, you know, not necessarily be fooled if someone is officially removed in terms of title in terms of official association when they've sort of like racked up all of these hits and all of these connections like those don't just immediately go away Mm-mm. no they do not um so coming out of this really intense era where finally it's very very public that kesha you know hashtag free kesha um we're now into 2017 and by the end of 2017 we all get a beautiful gift, which is the rainbow era, um, which was just so beautiful. When Praying came out, it was just like so powerful, so special. The music video was so amazing. That note, which she hasn't attempted live, but that's okay. I don't blame her. It's an intense note. Um, But it's just such a beautiful song and a really important and powerful message um, that I think you know, you start listening to this song, it's called Praying, and you know what she's been through. You think it's going to be that she's praying for herself to get better, and it's not. It's like, I am doing great. I hope you are praying, which is just unbelievable. That like switch, um, for lack of a better word. So I don't know, Becky, Mimi, what did you all think about the rainbow era praying in specific, but the the whole album, the whole era. Praying is a great song. The album is not great. I don't think, but I, I think that praying is a great song and I'm happy that she's getting back out there. Agreed. I think that we have grown up with her a little bit and you know after learning about her exploitation the year before it was amazing to hear that song which is a wonderful song and to see her kind of locate a separate purpose in her music which she may have done before but to to sort of have it so publicly and to be able to absorb that um it's obviously i don't know the the album I listened to a couple times. I attribute that to just being very busy in that moment and never going back to it. Um, but, you know, it, it's a great song. And I think it's, you know, I'm excited for her next era because it's interesting to see what sort of the the buildup from the previous era and all of the eras we've talked about when I was in college personally. Um We'll add up to you in, in, you know, the year ahead, yeah. 2020. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, I loved praying. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, I loved Rainbow. Um, I thought that I loved like kind of the Rocky vibe of it, not as poppy and, um, but still with the dance vibe um, that I, I really loved. And I have to say, I'm excited for this next era to be a little bit more back to pop. Um, which she has said it's going to be. Um, She's now released two songs in the last few months, one called Raising Hell, the other called My Own Dance. Um, I like these songs. They're not like blowing up like I think they should be. They're not like taking over. So I don't know what that means. I don't think people, like I think if you ask someone who might've known that Praying came out, if they know that My Own Dance came out now, like I don't think it's just not, they're not breaking through. But I don't know, do you guys, do you like these new songs? Are you excited about them? Yeah, excited. I love them. I can't wait. I cannot wait for the album. Yay. I really feel like the pendulum is like swinging between her old persona and her new persona. Like she really did have to do like 
you know, that was Kesha of, you know, the years past and now Kesha of rainbow is like different and it's grown up and it's pen, it's, you know, pensive and thoughtful and really vocally challenging or vocally uh, talented. And now she's kind of back towards the other vibe, which I'm excited about. Yeah. So she has said explicitly that she like wants to make pop again, which just warms my heart. Um, and I like two of the lyrics that make me so excited from my own dance, which are really kind of about this pendulum swinging. One, she says, um, well, the internet called and it wants you back, but could you kind of rap and not be so sad? Fuck it. I feel like that's so funny. Yeah. Like being like, you should come back, but you have to be this very specific thing. And she's also making fun of herself for like kind of rapping. I thought that was so funny. Right. That's, that's a really good one. You picked out a good one there. Um, the next line that I think is very sweet that she says, people are saying to her as if um, the lyric is, you're the party girl, you're the tragedy. But the funny things, I'm fucking everything. I like mm. that. She's a party girl. And yeah, like tragedy is a part of her story, but she can be all of the things at once. I feel like that really speaks to the pendulum you're talking about. Mm. She's somewhere in the middle right now. Where are we going to land? I don't know. Somewhere. When you mentioned this lyric too, could you kind of rap and not be so sad? I was thinking of something that Jojo said because Jojo was in not exactly the same, but a similar situation where she was trapped within her label. Mm -hmm. And she said something about how Chance the Rapper, it's like, it's nice that he can just do his independent label. And like, it's, she wasn't being dismissive. She was like, it's impressive. And she was like, but, um, you know, I'm like, I'm in pop and having a major label is extremely beneficial oh, in wow. a different way. Wow. And yeah. I was like, huh. And I wish I could have been like Jojo say more. Cause I'm, cause I don't know the intricacies of like what she's getting at there, but you know, it's something to, yeah. to think about the way that pop stars are potentially sort of more ensnared in having these like absolutely huge labels. If they, if they have a real career. Right. I do want to know more about that. Mm-hmm. Maybe let's do some research and do another episode about this. Okay. Um, we love you, Kesha. We're so excited about this new um, era for you. Um, I know for a fact that we have planned um, the B-Sides newsletter is coming back, as uh, many of you may or may not know, and we do have planned um, a, a Kesha album review when it comes out, so make sure to subscribe to the newsletter. So that's Kesha. Um, very reductive of a very uh, complicated, layered person who we are so excited to keep growing with as we are now moving from our, as Mimi was, you know, really following her and, and her party girl ways. Now we're all grownups, okay? And yeah. we have sadness and thoughts and feelings. And experiences. And experiences. Um, so why don't we get to what you all have to say about Kesha by going to the you sides. All right. Okay. Now we're in the you sides. Our question for the week um, that we posted on Instagram was um, just if you all could share with us um, what your predictions for this next era or album of Kesha um, would be. Uh, We wanted to hear from you what you're excited about and what you think is going to happen so that we can say once the album comes out, if we were right or if we were wrong. So Becky, do you want to kick us off with um, two predictions from our besides listeners? Yes. um, Two really great prediction one is from indigo also just love the name indigo that's gonna be offbeat cool and unique bangers i'm there for that agree and one is from donna donna banana that's not how you say her name <laughs> banana dana not donna dana oh my god one is from dana um which will be funky spiritual song free happy colorful vibrant and fun to dance to oh dream collab with lizzo me too girl Oh my God. I agree. It would be Could a dream collab. Um, I would lose my mind. Victor says, I think she will integrate some folksy stuff from her last era into her classic dance tracks. I'm here for that. Um, and if she could throw in a little bit of the country vibes a la Timber, then I would be really happy. Um, and Siobhan says, power anthems with some of her dance vibes on that same note. So I think that the concept of this power anthem is really exciting to me because I, I really can see that happening. I think the two ones that she came out with so far are really anthemic and I hope to see more of that. The two responses that I'm going to read both end in a question mark. So we're living in the question mark here. Eileen said Gaga collab. 
And Reka said, I feel like it's Me Too, Wealth Gap, Patriarchy, Slight White Feministy Pop? Question mark? <laughs> Could be. Lots of predictions, and we'll know really soon. So thank you all for participating. So that's our show. Yay. Yay. Thanks all for coming along on our Kesha journey. Um, we only have one more episode after this of season one. Can you believe it? Hardly. I'm proud of us. Me too. Go us. Um, so we, we love to talk with you. Um, follow us on Instagram. That's the best way, I think, at Listen to the B-Sides. On Twitter, we're at the B-Sides pod. And definitely join our Facebook group um, by going to bit.ly slash B-Sides-F-B group. You can also email us with questions and ideas. We love when you do that. Um, listen to the B-Sides at gmail.com. And our question of the week that we would like you to email us, please, is what do you want to see out of season two? Let us know because we will do it. Well, I can't make any promises, but honestly, we probably will do if something if you have a request. Um, and with that, we do hope that you can subscribe. Um, as we mentioned at the top, um, we have a request this week, which is if you please haven't yet, if you please could rate and review us on iTunes. Um, this is really going to help us in the interim between two seasons. If you screenshot your review and DM us on Instagram, we will send you a special treat. So um, please do rate us and review us. It would really mean a lot. And of course, please do subscribe so that when we release season two, you are the first to know our best friends. So see you next time. Um, until the next time we cut to the feeling for one last time. I'm Hannah Zoe. I'm Becky. I'm Mimi. Bye, everybody. Bye.